Hello and welcome to Letters and Lines, a new comics podcast looking at comics from the perspective of being a fan, a creator and a critic. Before we dive into what we're actually going to be talking about in this episode, it's probably worth introducing who we are so you know whose voices that you're listening to. I'm Hass. I make Strip Panel Naked on YouTube, I edit the Eisner-nominated panel by Panel Magazine, and I write, edit, and letter comics. I do have to do a quick plug, uh, because one of the comics that I letter, which is the Dream Daddy game series that's turned into a comic, uh, is just is just out, so if, I don't know, if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in, you should totally buy that. Uh, and I'm Aditya, and I letter comics like Izola, The Savage Shores, and Days of Hate. Uh, and so this week, we've got two topics once again. Every episode, I bring a topic and the teacher brings a topic and we just kind of discuss those. Um, and then I f- try and find the kind of horrible uh, transition from one topic to the other. So we'll see what it is this week. Um, but my topic this week is about pr- like productivity. So how to manage it, how to keep it going and kind of learning when to stop as well. Uh, and my topic is creating for the moment versus creating for longevity. That's one I'm, I'm quite excited about talking about that actually. <laughs> Um, I've got because something came up really. Oh, I won't spoil it, but something came up really recently uh, in like an article I read. I think it was maybe Newsarama um, talking about that, which I thought was quite interesting. So that's something to talk about. Um, sure, yeah. So to get cool. started, we'll talk about productivity. So this was on my mind recently because um, Ryan K. Lindsay, who I'm sure probably a lot of people listening to this know know of or know, um, he's a comic book writer. He did things like uh, the amazing uh, Eternal uh, comic through Black Mask with um, Eric Zawadzki, which is fantastic um um and he did the he does like a regular newsletter i think it's like every week um and you he's like the only person in comics that maintains a regular newsletter it's incredible uh, uh apart think, from Warren ellis i think okay yeah apart from Warren ellis kieran gillen although maybe kieran gillen as well like like they're pretty on time with theirs which is, yeah which is, yeah unlike mine which came out the first time in three months <laughs> yeah I but think, you work yesterday. on a three-month schedule so it's fine it's technically, it's technically <laughs> scheduled um <laughs> Yeah, he he. So he, not for some reason, decided to to mention me uh, in his newsletter and talked about productivity. And he sort of said something about um, uh, how like pro- being productive and how I seem to be quite productive and stuff like that. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of productivity because he he mentioned a thing in his in his newsletter. Um, I think he said gunners, uh, gunners and doers or something, which was like gunners, like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Um, All right, yeah. Which is I I have one, which is doers and wanna doers. Because uh, I was, I'm very much a wanna do in a lot of aspects of my life. Like I'm, a, I want to do this thing, I want to do that thing. Uh, and then in a very small segment, which is just the segment that gets seen, I suppose, online or whatever, is the is the do. Because obviously on Twitter, you just you don't like tweet about all the stuff you fail to do. Uh, you know, you don't like you know. Today I really cocked up. Not you know, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. And you kind of go, yeah, I did this today. So feel you know, give me some likes so I can get the endorphin rush or whatever. Um, so productivity on which I suppose is one facet of the topic, which is like productivity is very much what someone wants you to see about their productivity. So so let me ask you a question. Do you think of yourself as a productive person? I have days where I feel like I've been productive. Right. Uh, and I have days where I feel like I've really not been productive. Um, there's days where I, where I, 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 like I've chosen to not be productive, which is very, <laughs> very rare, which is also something to talk about. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, I have days where I feel like I've been quite productive. Um, but not, not. I don't usually end the day thinking I've been like super productive. No. Hmm. How, how come? Like because I think you do get a lot of stuff done, right? Right. Like your your per day output. Like you you essentially put out uh, one video every week. You write for your Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a monthly magazine. You write comics. You edit comics. You letter comics on a reasonably daily basis, right? Yeah. I mean, literally every day. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah so 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 what what about that like okay so so let's let's take okay so uh, let's assume <laughs> let's assume you sleep for 8 hours a day right. and you have 16 hours left right. how firstly how much how, how many hours of those go into work and how many of those do you feel is like uh, valuable work this is see this is where it's going to like start leaning into therapy because <laughs> so uh my, my what my, so my schedule used so I used to have a pro, like a full-time job as well as everything else, like comics related that I that I did. Um, yeah. So my schedule when I had a full time job was I used to wake up about like like six quarter to six ish something like that. Um, yeah. And I would get up and I would take 10, 15 minutes to get ready and have a shower and everything. And then I would work from six till I think it was like nine, six till half nine on like comic related things. So if it was the magazine or or strip pal naked or whatever. Um, yeah. And I would go into work and I would work until about four or five. And I would come home and I would do like three maybe three four hours a day in the evenings sometimes a lot sometimes like six or seven hours like wow through to like one or two in the morning or sometimes i would just do it until like you know 10 or 11 or whatever um but in in, right. in, in between there is like taking the dog for a walk a couple of times a day and or whatever but it was mostly that schedule and i did that schedule for like a year i did yeah. that schedule from more or less from like january of 2017 until about december last year so yeah, just short of a year, and then I, and then I basically was like, "This is like I'm gonna die." I think because uh, I worked <laughs> out, I was working about eighty hours a week, but like every week for most of that year. Um, Holy shit! Okay. So, <laughs> so then I had, so then I just had to, so then I quit my job uh, yeah. because I was just about making enough to sort of you know pay what we need to pay monthly, and you know I, I could just about cover my half of the bills and stuff um, with that work. So I just thought I can't, like I physically can't do it anymore. So then my schedule changed but well i say my schedule changed but it didn't maybe it did yeah it didn't really change that much i kind of still got up really early in the morning and then worked <laughs> basically all day uh yeah so out of those 16 hours right to answer your original question so out of those 16 hours a day i work a maybe like 10 to 11 okay okay on average okay. i do but that's almost every day like apart from maybe sunday i guess I work. I work mostly most weekends. Yeah, but no, I, I don't probably. I probably don't do eleven hours most weekends. But I, I do work the weekend. I tend to try and work the week. The thing for me, right, is because this is. So I've always been a free. So even when I had that full time job, I was basically a free. Like I still manage that, that job. So I was basically freelancing. So to me, you know, what was bred into me when I was a kid is like, just work. That, that was always <laughs> like the message from my dad, was just just be someone that works and working is good. Um, yeah. And so I've what I've have tried to do as much as possible in my life is never have like a like a real job. I had little like real jobs for a period, but I I much prefer to to do stuff on my own time, like in my own way. Um, so I've always tried to figure that out myself, like how to make whatever job I'm doing like that. Um, but the problem with that is, I if I had a boss, then maybe at some point I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, fuck that guy or whatever. I don't want to do this work anymore. But because <laughs> because you end up being your own boss, it, I find it a bit more difficult to dis like to separate like has the boss and has the worker. Um, yeah. So I as the boss, I want like has the worker to be super productive. Uh, yeah. And as has the worker, I want to try and generate as much revenue as possible. So, <laughs> for the amount of work that you do, yeah. So, unfortunately, like those two things end up coming together to just be like work a lot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. So, I probably am. T yeah, I probably am productive, but I, I still kind of beat myself up about it most most days. Right. I, I, I think to be that productive, you kind of have to have that mentality, but because. 
like there has to be an overriding reason why you work that much uh, like with with ryan for example he has a day job as well as a, as a teacher and he does comics like apart from that yeah so i think like there's there's a there's an element of passion there yeah uh, while like uh, so i i remember like the day that you described right now that used to be my day from age uh, 24 to 27 uh, pretty much constantly yeah. uh, because i had a day job and i was trying to make it as a writer and i was lettering mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but then i think once i joined a company uh for the next 3 years i was working like maybe 8 hours a day but like i wasn't like it it didn't take over my life anymore yeah, yeah, and yeah. then when i when i started freelancing that started again like i think for uh, 2017 at least i think i've done that 80 hour work week thing mm-hmm. and in 2018 my goal was to reduce uh, that because so so for me i think uh, being insanely productive is about the hustle it's <laughs> like I'm, i'm trying to get somewhere and to get there i have to kind of work my ass off Right. But once I once I get there I like to relax for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I Yeah, but but then something new comes up. Like right now I'm relaxing in terms of lettering, but now I want to start writing again. <laughs> so like that that's probably going to be my hustle that's going to take over my life. Yeah, I I like so this past week we've been on kind of like a a holiday sort of thing. Like a, like a vague term for holiday. Um yeah. and that was basically I wrapped up like a whole bunch of lettering. projects and got like ahead hmm. of a couple of them so I don't have deadlines for for a couple of books until like October. Um so I managed to get like this little gap of time where panel by panel just went out and then um I kind of don't have to worry about that. You know, I can push that back a little bit. Uh but yeah. I think I think but even in that even in that week I've been kind of doing stuff. So I've still been editing books for people. Um I've still been doing bits of lettering. Uh I've I've been doing writing like I just did a strip panel naked for this weekend. I did like some of the writing for the patron and stuff like that. Um so I am still working, but I'm just it's weird because it's like I'm still working like maybe 4 hours a day this week. Right. Which, which and that that's your holiday. holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like to me that's just like a that's like time off. Uh, yeah so 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 here's a big question from me because uh I think the productivity is valued a lot in comics like in the scene at least that we we kind of uh, are a part of mm-hmm. uh, but on the other hand do you ever feel that being that productive is um maybe affecting the quality of the individual things uh, negatively like do you ever feel that uh I I hope not um Right I don't I don't think so. I think I try to give everything as much time. So I'm not very I I have times where I kind of schedule things in. Uh you know like I I've got x amount of hours to do this thing or x amount of hours to do that thing. Um Yeah. And I did that for a period but I stopped doing that as much since we like moved into the 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 van. Um yeah. because it's it's just more difficult to do that cuz you don't quite know where you're going to be anyway. Um so it's more difficult to be like I'm giving myself 9 till you know 1 to do this certain thing. So what I do instead yeah. is just schedule things i need to do in a day and i'm less i'm less uh bothered now about having to move stuff if i need to so it used to be when i was if i you know when i was working like a full time job if i had a schedule and i had like these four things i need to get done that day uh, cuz and i moved it that would be like a, that would be terrible that would be like the end of the world like if i've got to shift this thing from tuesday to wednesday i'm like okay well wednesday is already horrible so i've just made my life worse um whereas now that like now that we're in the van it's a, it's i'm less precious about that um because I'll find time like I'll always find time if I need to if I need to wake up a couple of hours early to get something done I can that's far I can do that um so I don't 
feel like anything i feel like maybe i feel i don't want to say this because i don't want to be like yeah my work's <laughs> better now but i feel like since we kind of made this ridiculous life decision to to live in a van uh i feel i want to say the work is better for me or i feel better about the work anyway because I, I do feel like i've got more time with it even though right. even though probably the amount of time i'm working is the same i don't like i don't really know how it works it just feels more like i've had more time i don't know i think also i've been on the internet less so I think that I think that's yeah I think that's a big, a big factor yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. like for you for you what is your do you have like a productivity like target for a day? Uh, I used to, but I don't anymore because I'm trying to be less productive. Uh, if anything, mm -hmm. uh, so because I realized that um, so I, I've been freelancing now for three years. Like this, the end of September will be three years. Yeah, and I think for the first. Uh, first six months, uh, I wasn't getting enough projects. So like, as in my time wasn't filled up, like yeah, I, yeah. I had time to do other stuff. And then for the next year and a half, I pretty much said no to nothing. Uh, <laughs> because I didn't know when the next project would come in. And if I said no, I didn't know if there would be another one. Mm -hmm. um, and so last August, I took a decision to kind of work less. Mm -hmm. And it only started happening this August. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> I have not taken up any new clients since last August. Right. Uh, and it's taken sort of a year to kind of get all these projects at a particular point where I can take a little bit of a break in some ways. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, well, do you, do you feel do you feel in this break like does it can you do you notice? Because I think that's what I. I'm, that's what I, I think sometimes I need to try and do a bit more is like have the time to feel refreshed. Like, do you feel kind of like re so reinvigorated? Yeah, so I haven't had enough days of that to kind of feel that yet. <laughs> but I'm but I'm essentially going on a month long vacation in a few days. So uh, right. I think I, I can report after that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I do I do, I do feel that there's a, there's sort of a balancing act to be sort of done because. Um, to an extent, the work kind of expands to fill the time. So, mm -hmm. um, like, even if I have like, so let so let's say I used to average one uh, project letter every day, mm -hmm. plus a few corrections, and now if I decide that something is going to take me two days, I probably end up working all day for those two days. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I just take more time. I'm just a little more relaxed. I'm just not rushing anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not trying to take the first decision. I'm trying kind of I get the luxury to wait for the uh, you know, I, I can take sort of three or four decisions and kind of see which one works better. Right. So that's what I like about it in terms of uh, I do feel that being less productive has at least um, at least it affects the way I see my quality, even if like it, it might not objectively affect the quality <laughs> yeah, yeah, at yeah. all. I know what you mean. Uh, because because I, I talked to a couple of my writers about this, like uh, so a couple of my writers are good friends of mine. And I asked them that, do you feel um, that over the last year? my quality has dipped a bit because I'm like very productive and I don't think anybody said yes. Like, right. Uh, I, I don't think that was an issue for them at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, on the other hand, I, I like, because I, I've spent the last two or three years basically working all the time, I've sort of figured out ways to kind of get in my, um, time wastage in like <laughs> because I, I think you sh you need to like at least waste two hours a day right. and do something like completely wasteful mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I, I just do that first thing in the morning uh, and then get on with work so that then I don't have to worry about uh, oh I have to stop and then I have to like you know uh, have some entertainment or whatever yeah, yeah because yeah. I can I just do that in the morning like for the first two hours is like drinking tea and reading comics mm -hmm. 
and after that well if i work flat out throughout i don't really mind it that much yeah 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 so for me rather than trying to be productive it, it's a like the battle is to get in some time for myself yeah i think what well, i think that's the same problem for me and I, I think that's the thing that i i still struggle with um and because a big thing is i don't i don't have any other responsibilities you know i don't like i don't have like kids or anything i've got a dog um yeah. i've got a, a partner that i've got to spend time with um yeah no, our friend, See, i don't have that either <laughs> i can i can just she, she, Helen's nearby, and she just gave me a look when I said I've got to spend time with her. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that, that's kind of it. Um, and we and Helen, we we're like around each other twenty four hours a day now, any, anyway. Which I think kind of weirdly has allowed me to do a bit more <laughs> work um, because we're kind of just hanging out all the time, anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's the thing that I have always kind of struggled with uh, since getting into this mode. And the thing is, I used to be like, I used to be like a really lazy kid. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I've sort of forgotten how to do that. And I, I, that's one thing I do want to try and learn again. Yeah, point. I know. I know what you mean. I know. I know what you mean. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where I think I rebelled a little bit against, uh, my dad's kind of inherent, like, um, you know, you've got to kind of work all the time. Um, and for him, work was really important because work was what got him out of Algeria and into England and, and you know, work is what got him opportunities. Um, yeah. So work was always passed down to us as work being this really, really important thing. Um, and so I kind of rebelled against that, I think, when I, was a, when I was a kid, when I was a bit younger. And then, weirdly, as my dad's got older, he's kind of gone against that and he's kind of gone like, <laughs> you know what, you know, time is really important. Like, you don't give your time up to, to people uh, when you don't have to. Like, your time is your own. And, that, and, like, and that's kind of gone at the same time as my like I need to be working a lot thing is like kicked off so I'm like oh god they're like why are you telling me this like 10 years ago uh so yeah it's it's a weird like we've gone like a weird transition me and my dad where we've kind of both kind of turned into each other but like he's turned to me as he's got older and I've turned into him as I've got older um so yeah I think that's one thing I really I really want to try and do to better with is is to kind of learn when there's a gap to to use that gap to just take some time rather than you figure out what I can fill that gap with because that's definitely one thing I do a lot now. Like if I get ahead on the project and I look at those days that I would have been spending working on that thing, I go, okay, so what can I, what can I work on to fill that gap? Not like yeah. how can I relax in that time or what reading do I need to catch up on? It's kind of like, you know, I've got ahead of work. Let's fill that work with something else. Let's do the next thing. Um, yeah. I also, I think uh, uh, we discussed this at some point uh, on DMs that uh, both of us have this tendency of like whatever we do to fill up uh, sort of like free time that we have is sort of a different kind of work. Um, <laughs> it, it, we might call it entertainment, but it's kind of work again. Like, uh, so the time that I spend designing fonts, mm -hmm. um, I used to not consider that work at all. So like that used to be what I did on Sunday <laughs> or like to, to pass my time. And right. then at some point of time, I realized that, hang on, I, I, I promised myself I would not work on Sundays, but I'm basically working on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So that that's also a big question because it's very easy to convince ourselves that, oh, I like this. So that means that it's entertainment rather than work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've done, I, I, yeah, I've done that a lot, especially with panel by panel, weirdly. Like, uh, yeah. oh, okay. like certain things like, you know, writing interview questions for a project or, or even just figuring out what I'm going to write about in that magazine or even like writing my editorial. I've put yeah. that, a lot of the time I put that down in like non-work time, like just something to do when I'm like, <laughs> Uh, you know, watching TV or whatever. Um, yeah. 
but I'm like, but I'm still sat there working, and then I'm st- I kind of like look at the, look up at the TV, and I realize I've just like missed the past fifty minutes of the show or whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it is I, for me. It's definitely it's definitely figuring out like how to balance being productive with just actually like still doing stuff outside of work that you still enjoy. Um, yeah, and I think a, a big part of that obviously is like I had a job, and then this was my outside work stuff, and then it became yeah. my work stuff. But now. I've replaced I haven't replaced the outside time with anything that isn't just more work. Um True. and and I think productivity like one thing I wanted to address with this thing was especially cuz right like Ryan uh, Ryan K Lindsay is super productive as far as I can yeah. see from his from his newsletter like he has a full-time job as a teacher and he seems to just be working all the time outside of that and he's he seems to have been doing that for like quite a long time. Um and I do think there is like an element of fetishization of productivity um yeah. of like being busy, like I'm too, I'm really busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I'm, I, I definitely fall like uh, failure to that occasionally of like, kind of like, I'm so busy. Oh, that's, that's kind of, that's good. That's because you equate busyness with success. Um, and obviously everyone wants to be successful. But I think sometimes, you know, it's not, he- I don't think it's healthy uh, to, to like put productivity with, uh, with success and with value, like a kind of like a strong value in your, in your life. But it's it's definitely something that I do, and it's definitely something that I want to try and figure out a way of stopping that, <laughs> of not doing that anymore, because I don't think it's I don't think it's sustainable for a long period of time. Um, a year when I did it for a year, that was that was far too much. But even now, when it's a little bit seems a little bit easier, it's still I still am very aware it's probably too much, um, and there are still things I need to fix about it. But it, but there is that you kind of look on Twitter and you know, everyone's really busy and you think like, okay, I should totally be busy. I should be more busy. And you see, <laughs> I kind of do stuff and then see people, other people working on their projects. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of want to do that other thing that I've got in my head as well. I need to do that. Um, and it is very much like that. Yeah. It, it is fetishized. I think that idea of, of busyness is, is, is good. And I, I, it's not, I don't think that's always the case. Yeah. Uh, see also what, what I think has also happened is that, um, like the nature of our work is very specific. It's not like to a large degree, it's not what other people consider work in some ways. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so I think it's also difficult to convince yourself that this is this is work that needs to stop at a particular point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and like you say, like the, the fetishizing busyness is like something that definitely happens online. Like I I, I promised myself. Uh, in my twenties, that I wouldn't do that, but I have definitely done that in various ways over the over a long period. Like, y- you know, basically, and see, okay, uh, once I started freelancing, mm-hmm. it also felt like okay, the more work I do, the more financially stable I'm going to be. Right. So there is no way that doing more work is a bad thing. <laughs> right. Yep. And that comes back to bite you in the ass very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. I fully agree with that. That was always. Uh... And I think that this is the difference, I, I suppose, in in because my job before was uh, I used to like make videos for for like companies, um, yeah. And what was weird about that was when I was when I was doing that work, uh, I was paid per project, um, and so in my head it was like the better I can, the quicker I can do this project to a good standard, then financially the better it is for me. So if I can yeah. if I can do this project a little bit quicker than I thought I could, or I you know I work a little bit. Uh, harder today then I get tomorrow off or I get a few extra hours tomorrow or whatever then I had a really yeah. good I had a, such a good mentality about that when, when I was younger um whereas now it, it is it is kind of the same like the work now if I if I just push a little bit more 
today I can I can probably shave a couple of hours off tomorrow and just use that time to I don't know play FIFA or whatever. Um, <laughs> but but something changed I think when I was just doing two jobs at the same time um, that I haven't unchanged yet. That I haven't kind of turned off. Like I flicked that switch of do this for a period of time, but I just haven't flicked that back off yet. Um, and it's just figuring out. I don't even know where the switch is anymore. I think that's the problem. Just figuring out a switch. But I do think <laughs> I do think what you said is is true because I think you know it's when I look when I think about the work that I do on a day to day basis. And then I think about like jobs that I have done in the past or jobs that like my friends do or whatever. And I think like, I'm very lucky to be able to do the stuff that I do day to day. And so it's like almost like not taking that for granted. And that's part of it is like my brain sort of saying you almost like make up for the fact that you've got a job, which is you enjoy, uh, you know, so spend that time that you would be doing, enjoying other stuff, spend that time working because you, you kind of almost like owe it to yourself. Does that make any sense? Do you know what I mean? No, is that it, a crazy it does thing? because because it's it's I think it's a different kind of imposter syndrome. Like um, it's like uh, Neil Gaiman used to say that he couldn't believe that he was getting paid to make stuff up. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of like that. Like uh, so, basically, it's since it's not a real job, I'm gonna make sure that i work hard enough that nobody can point out that i have a fake job right yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah that's exactly it yeah it's kind of almost like if i work hard enough i'll prove to you it's a real job exactly. or, but it's kind of like oh but it's more also proving to myself because not like anyone else cares <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah nobody I, yeah nobody really cares I, I don't think like uh everybody that i've shown my office to like five minutes later their eyes glaze over and they kind of like it's it's not like nobody <laughs> acts so i get i get told that i have a cool job but more than that like nobody really thinks that oh i can't believe they pay you for that <laughs> it's, i think it's only me who thinks that it's cool it's cool like when you see the finished output yeah, exactly. But like, not just sitting, you know, sit, it, it's, it loses its cool when you're just sitting there behind the desk, sort of drawing balloons all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Also, see, there are some projects which you genuinely look back at and you think, I could have done that for free, but not everything. <laughs> like, you know, there are other projects which you're like, oh, I, I, I definitely know where the money came in here. Right, right, right. Yeah, I had to struggle to care for this or something like that. So, like, uh, the I think if you if you kind of start like so uh, since I do that this as my one job I do get enough projects that remind me that yes I am doing a lot of work also I think I came close to burning out a couple of months ago mm-hmm. and that kind of quickly reminds you that oh there's a lot of energy going into this this right. is not just fun this is this is work that's one thing I wanted to to address so I, there's two 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 things I wanted to to kind of bring up so one was burnout. Uh, and then the other was that kind of like productivity tips, which I think might be quite useful. Um, yeah. But burnout. So last year for me, I think, uh, I think burnout for me, as my experience of it, is one of those things where I didn't realize it was happening until like way later, until uh, way, like after I quit my my job, um, and probably like a few months down the line, where I was like, oh wow, that was that was just horrible. Like I, for me. So last year, I think definitely for me, I had burnt. I was I was burnt out for like months at a time, um, oh, wow. and okay. I think I think it was there was it was a period where I was just I, it stopped being fun, and <laughs> it for you know it's probably right before I quit. I think it was like a, like a handful of months. Like my day job just was not fun anymore, and it had been pretty fun, uh, and my you know extra activity work had just kind of started to become very much like a like I owe this, like I need to get this done rather than I, I enjoy doing this thing. I want to do this thing, um, yeah, and it was. I was still, I still felt like I was doing good stuff. Like I was still happy with the stuff I was doing, but I just didn't, 
get as much enjoyment out of it anymore um and it was it was when i felt kind of like a like a like a it was like i could feel myself and that's the thing again it was that similar point i made earlier like it was it's very much myself driving it like it was just me kind of putting the pressure on myself to get this stuff done because i could have easily kind of stopped a couple of projects for a bit um and pick them up in the future and it wouldn't have really been a problem at all um right but it was it was like this long 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 period and i remember speaking to a couple of people um i think like chris ward i remember speaking to chris ward and just saying like i don't know if i can carry this on <laughs> like i don't know if this is <laughs> sustain- i just can't do this anymore and i remember chris and a couple of other people were kind of like oh just just like like just quit your job like even if it doesn't work out after like a couple of months, like just qu- mm. like you'll be able to figure something out, but just don't keep doing this. Um, right. And like, and then Helen was telling me, Helen was telling me for like months and months and months, she was like, just just quit your job, and if it doesn't work out, then just get another job. Like it's not the end of the world. Like try it, and if and just see if you can maintain this and not die. Uh, and then you know, I mean, obviously it's exaggerating, but you know, not not <laughs> the point where you kind of like really just sort of become really miserable. Um, yeah, and I saw a friend. Uh, we saw a friend a couple of months ago before we set off on, you know, in this van, um, and he said to me that like last time I'd seen him, he was like uncharacteristically miserable. Is how he described me. Uh, oh, and that wow. was okay. that was sometime last year. Like that would have been probably like September or something last year. Um, just right. just just busy, like just not just distant, just distracted all the time. Um, and I didn't re- I didn't realize that until probably like march or april this year where i kind of like looked back and thought like wow like that was that was stupid um and that was very much like the curse of productivity being you know this thing that is supposed to be a thing we're all aiming for um because i think that i think it's also i think it's also partly an addiction because it's very easy to get some sort of kick out of what you see as being productive uh like I mean, it's the same busy, the busy work thing where it makes you feel important. So you kind of do more and more of it and you don't realize that you've kind of gotten addicted to it. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah. The addict, it, probably definitely addicted. <laughs> yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. It's, but it, it's, but it is very, it is very, I think because there's no, there's no milestone for it. There's no, yeah, there and is, it's not a bad box. thing. Like, I mean, every, everybody thinks that working is a good thing. So like nobody <laughs> really like kind of points out that, Hey, you seem addicted to work. Like, right. Nobody says that. Well, it's, it's, there isn't a thing where it says you it's because it's all per, like personal. Like there isn't a thing that says you're doing enough now. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like uh, after you've hit se- I don't know, seven hours a day or whatever, that, that like a little fella comes into your house and he's like, yo, you, like this is good now. You, you're cool. You can, mm-hmm. you can stop this. Um, and that, I think that's the thing is like there isn't there isn't a point where it feels like I've done my productivity for today. Like I've I've achieved my productivity. Um, right. I just I, I'm very much of like that thing where like if there's an hour left, I'm like that I could that could be using that usefully. <laughs> and I and I and what I mean by usefully, unfortunately, is like you know some kind of work related thing. Um, yeah. But I, but I'm aware of that now. At least like you know it's taken me a while, but I'm kind of getting aware of that now. And therefore, I can battle a little bit that voice in my head that's kind of like you're not doing enough now. You know you need to do more. I've got like another voice now that's like yo, it's cool chill out yeah that's 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 nice uh so so when i when i started freelancing uh my actual goal in life uh, was that uh three years in i would be earning at least the same amount of money as i was in my last job mm-hmm. and that i would be working 12 days a month and taking the rest of the month off <laughs> right uh well the first, yeah like but the first thing happened very fairly quickly and the second thing kind of got forgotten because of that. <laughs> right. And, and I think I need, like, because that's also productivity. That is like, see, productivity is about how much you feel uh, makes sense in your life. Mm-hmm. 
so like if i genuinely feel that i want to work 12 days a month and then write for seven more days and spend the rest of the time doing fuck all <laughs> then that would be productive right yeah 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 that would be, so I, I, yeah, be nice. think, yeah let's let's see i'll i'll report in a year <laughs> we could we could maybe do an update of this like volume 2 well something do you have do you have tips for being productive but also like keeping the balance right uh firstly i would say that uh have something outside work that you care about mm-hmm. in some way or the other or like something you can focus on something that you can tell yourself oh i'm supposed to be doing this thing mm-hmm. so for me these days it's working out like i i've i've i'm a new convert to like this fitness thing <laughs> uh, after having been incredibly lazy for 32 years of my life uh, so like every like four times a week i have to get out for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and do whatever the fuck like it doesn't matter yeah. so there's that and i think uh, productivity is not just about output like th- that's something that people need to remember like mm-hmm. it's not just about uh, producing stuff it's different things like you managing yourself is productivity like you got to count all those things because because it's a tendency to feel that you're not doing enough right. so you you need to kind of count all the things that matter mm-hmm. and not discount any of them because they are also work so yeah i think That's, that that would be it yeah that's good i think i think the first one of that point like uh finding something outside of work is one thing that i that's one thing that i was going to say like that's one thing that i've been getting trying to build more so for 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 me it's like uh to going on like longer walks yeah. um especially with the dog like not not just kind of because it used to be i just kind of taken for like a a couple of like 40 minute trips around the the park near us Uh, but now it's like actually turning that into like a couple of hours like getting out and actually going somewhere nice and kind of going on like a like a hike or whatever um yeah that's good mm-hmm. just getting away because usually that also means there's no phone reception so i'm not tempted to <laughs> stare at twitter or whatever <laughs> while, I'm, while i'm going for the most part um yeah but i think that's definitely one for me i think my my the best one that i've found uh was kind of like having a conversation with myself either at the start of every day or the start of every week and just going like okay so what do you actually need to get done this week Uh, and then just sort of like putting it down onto the days on the calendar um right and just kind of saying like okay well i know that's going to take me all day that's probably going to take me most of the day all right okay i kind of roughly schedule that what what's going to go where and just saying like do i have time to fit other stuff in yes or no <laughs> and then so i know that when something comes in and someone's like you know can you do this in the next couple of days i can i can have the confidence to turn around and just be like no um but i can do it next week or you know or whatever yeah. um and just being less happy less eager to 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 have things turned around immediately uh, especially when they don't need to be um right that that's a good one that's one that it, it took me a long time to learn mm-hmm. yeah i'm still learning that nice <laughs> <Still laughs> actually the same here there, there are some people <laughs> where like they, if they if they tell me i need this tomorrow i i just make it happen right. and probably not good even if i like them or not you need to, sometimes <laughs> you need to know when when they definitely need it tomorrow or when they yeah. they when they kind of want it tomorrow like you'd like sometimes you can tell like would it you know or even just asking like would it be a, a huge problem if i got it to you in a couple of days or whatever um because most of the time people when i've asked that people have said yeah that's no that's fine that's no like no problem at all um, yeah i i used to be genuinely terrible about that when i started freelancing because i had a lot of time and i kind of assumed that everybody else was very busy <laughs> 
but but now it's like okay so can i take a couple of more weeks on this and sometimes surprisingly the answer is still yes yeah because they're they're giving it to me in well in advance so like a couple of weeks wouldn't make a difference yeah 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 so yeah yeah it's i think just, i think that's good yeah yeah so it's just it's just balancing time and trying to be with myself trying to be more honest with myself about what's achievable in that time period. yeah uh, so, so basically in some ways what you're saying is to prioritize honestly rather than thinking that everything is important because it makes you feel good yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, but I, mean, I kind of mean like prioritize honestly, as in knowing what you can actually get done, and like, and because yeah. what I, you know, and also within a reasonable time frame, because you don't, you don't really want to be working like eleven to twelve hours every single day, and so yeah. when you're when I, if when I'm kind of trying to saying to myself, what do I need to get done this week, and I'm looking at my my, my schedule, and I'm kind of going like. I just need to stop thinking I have 12 hours in that day to get everything done. I need to start thinking more like, you know, I don't know, six or seven or eight or whatever. I kind of want to get to. Oh, um, that's good. That's good. You I know, know like being honest with myself and being like, stop doing this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's because it's, it's at the end of the day, it's like it's good to be productive, but also it's it's nice to not be miserable. Uh, so it's balancing, <laughs> balancing those two things yeah no and also i think um, uh, so matt fraction said something about this that i'm trying to implement right now because uh, after uh, six years of working out of a co-working space or an office mm-hmm. uh, i've just moved my uh, studio you know into my house right. like I, I moved into a new place and one of those rooms is now my studio mm-hmm. so um i think it's a uh, one interesting thing is to always designate places that like you don't do work outside this or <laughs> or like when you're in here you don't do other stuff right so so i think that ends up making your work more efficient as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it takes you less time to do it you're you're more focused and then when you're out of that room you're not constantly thinking about work yeah so so that separation i feel will actually end up making you more productive because uh, there's a clarity in your mind yeah no, i know i this I, is what this is about 100% what one thing that I've found since living in a so for people that are listening to this, I uh, now live in a like a motorhome, um, and it only has you know it only has like one room. So um, that room is the is the bedroom, the dining room, the living room, the the study, the office, or whatever. It's all those things together. Um, yeah. And one one thing that I have noticed that helps is. So we have a table and you have to kind of get the table out and fold it out and clip it to the, the back of the van or whatever. Um, right. And when that table's away and I'm if I'm just sat on my lap and working, it's horrible. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> so I only can really work when the table's out. I can only really like, get stuff prop- like, properly. You know, I can type a couple of emails out or whatever, but I can only really get like actual work done when I'm sat at the table. And the table can't be out the same amount of time it was out in, in, in our old house. Uh, because you know people need to sleep, so uh, I now have much more designated, like specific work times. So there might be times I'm just sat on with you know my lap, just kind of typing stuff out or whatever. But to kind of do like the main lettering or design work or whatever, um, uh, or you know editing strip uh, strip out naked, like and that needs to be done within real like realistic hours within the day. Um, yeah. And that is and weirdly that has actually helped. Well, not that I suppose not that weird, but that has actually helped kind of. Uh, designate like work time a lot better than than it was before even when i had like a separate room for work that's pretty cool yeah uh, yeah that's good well this i've got like a proper good segue because this time i think the segue actually uh works okay uh, bring it on let's see well so because the big thing with productivity and one of the things we talked about is burnout and the right. idea of that is is being productive 
you want to be productive for uh, as long as possible rather than be super productive in a short burst and then just burn out and that's it. You can't kind of, you can't get back to your former glory. Um, and your topic was about work, like creating stuff for the moment or for longevity. Yeah, so, that I, I think I'll give you that. Like, I think for the first I, time in seven episodes, you have a good segue. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. I've been I, sitting I, on that yeah. for like 10, 15 minutes. I had that in my head. Like, I was really excited about that one. <laughs> Well, do you want to do you want to give us the, the premise for your topic then? Right. So, um, I've been looking at sort of comics Twitter and the overall comic scene for the last uh, few years because uh, before I was freelancing, I wasn't really on comics Twitter mm-hmm. um, because I, I was working. I, I was still working in comics, but I was working for this one company, and uh, I was under a strict NDA, so I could never talk about my project. So. Right. Uh, so I wasn't really like having any end of conversations on comic Twitter. But for the last three years, I've been noticing that the weekly churn of comics um, can sometimes make really good work disappear very quickly. Yeah, right. Yep. And so like even if you, let's say you make your money back, um, so like you put put your money into a project and then you make it back, uh, you're still like, see, see, I come from prose writing like that that was my that was originally supposed to be my career mm-hmm. and back then i always tried to write for longevity I, like i wanted to write something that people would read years later whether or not that was actually the case mm-hmm. uh, which it hasn't been most of the time i think <laughs> uh, i don't think anybody remembers my stories from like less more than a couple of years ago but it it, it so at least there there's the illusion that you know, this will be reprinted in anthologies and stuff. And somebody might pick up a book 20 years late, years from now and might find a short story that they love, mm-hmm. uh, which ha- which has happened to me at different times. Like I still pick up some of these years, years best horror uh, collections from like the 90s or something. And I find an mm-hmm. amazing story in there. Yeah. But comics, I feel, doesn't really allow you that uh, to a degree, like the, the, the direct market at least. Because... You're, you're you're being sold in a particular market and that will most likely be the only market that reads you mm-hmm. and there you are only on the shelves for like a month or two um, right. so i mean uh, if you last that's kind of chance like even the best writers at the moment aren't necessarily guaranteed that all their books uh, will be read like five or ten years from now so how do you continue creating based on that do you embrace it or do you try and push against it? Do you pretend that, uh, not pretend, but like, do you still aim uh, at being read 10 years from now? Or should you just be happy? Like, see, for example, the uh, pulp magazine hacks from the 1920s. I'm pretty sure no, none of them thought that anything they wrote would be read more than a couple of months later. Right, right. And, well, they made their peace with it. So, like, comics being a pretty good pulp medium, should you just think about that and not think about longevity at all? Or... Okay, I'm, I'm holding forth on this a bit, but I do want to bring in the interview that, uh, the Alan Moore interview that I linked to you a few days ago. Yeah. Where, uh, I mean, we hear all the time that uh, nobody remembers that Watchmen was late. Uh, <laughs> except we now remember it because this, we like everybody says that. But yeah. also, like in that interview, Alan Moore mentions how important it is to him that it come out as clockwork every single month mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how like the effect of it would be ruined if it wasn't. Except that most readers of Watchmen have 
encountered it, uh, encountered it as a trade paperback rather than as a right. uh, serialized thing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so just just that sort of like little chaotic mess of a subject. There was, well, it brought to mind something. So uh, I did a Strip Owl Naked live panel thing at, at Glasgow Comic Con this year. Um, and Christian yeah. Ward was on it. Um, and he, that's his second mention in this podcast. And he, um, <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was, if it was on the panel or if it was just like in the bar afterwards, but he mentioned the that idea of like, we spend, we, we get, we stress ourselves out as artists. Um, I'm saying we, as in, this is what he said, not I'm counting myself as an artist. Um, he, he said that we stress ourselves out so much about the work, everything about, you know, each issue has to be perfect. Each issue is going to be like this most the, the incredible thing. But he was like, but when you think about it realistically, chances are that thing's going to sit on a shelf for like a couple of weeks or a month and then it's just going to get replaced by something else and so how does that change the way that like you look at doing the work and so like the thing that chris said was he was like you know ultimately there is an element of something just has to be good enough and whether that means good enough like right. uh good enough like uh you know i don't want to make it sound like he's saying good enough as in like oh, i don't really care about this stuff obviously he cares if you look at any of his but, but you have to let it go somewhere at some point you've got to let it go right and 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 i think that falls into part of this conversation of like of, of knowing that everything that you're producing especially in comics has got like a certain shelf life i think that you know like when you think of like novels and stuff um i think that that the market is so different than the direct market for comic books and especially when uh you have like a like a sole writer who may put out like one book every couple of years if they're fairly productive in novels yeah. um yeah. And so it's kind of like each of those books is going to be a fairly special event whereas in comics you might have one writer who's putting out like five or six every single month and so by yeah. definition the special the specialness of those things is lost um and also with comics is it, it feels like with me comics it feels like it's a lot harder to figure out what's going to be like a, a hit in comics because i've read plenty of first issues of books where i've gone like this should this should be huge like this should be a massive thing that everyone ends up reading and then right. it kind of some it might come out and it get you know it's kind of like disappears a little bit after a couple of issues and then by you know issue four or five almost no one's reading it in the in the sort of single issues and then by that point it's like it, maybe the trade doesn't pick up or whatever and so it's 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 a really weird medium i think to think about longevity because you have absolutely no idea no matter how good the work is that when it comes out is it even going to get to finish its run do you know like is it even going to get to are you going to get to tell the story you wanted to tell in the first place to the end because yeah most of the time i imagine stats wise probably most of the time no or at least you get to tell your first arc and maybe that's it um but it feels like they are transient and it feels like we as consumers end up treating them just as transient as they feel I don't know that didn't quite make sense but you know what i mean like like we we also see it as transient so it's like the, the books come out and then they get replaced in a, in a week and then but we also yeah. end up treating them in a similar way and i do think that's a big part of why comics as a medium aren't as uh like if you think of like the master works of people who aren't into comics there's like a handful of books which might be considered like the main works which right. is a shame because there's probably works that are just as good if not better than some of those um that are just going to get completely forgotten about in, in in novels it's it's different because as i say like the rate of production is a little bit slower um yeah. but with comics it's just stuff is churned out so quickly that it's, it's about to disappear whether whether i believe people should think about it like that like creators should think about it like that i don't know that's, that's difficult to say uh, <laughs> it's i think sometimes you can look at some work and go this is like this is a thing i'm, I'm churning out for entertainment for pulp, pulp value almost um 
and it's going to get lost. And I think sometimes people writing things are probably aware it's going to get lost. Uh, and then obviously you read, sometimes you read the thing and you're like, this person's trying to make like the, you know, the, what's the term magnum opus or whatever. Right. right. Like I, th- I think there is a, there's also, uh, I, I mean, people might not like to admit this uh, necessarily, but <laughs> there will also be an element of writing for money versus writing for expression. Right. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, like, like there will be some people who, who look at it as, okay, these are the 20 pages I need to fill this month to mm-hmm. feed my family. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. fine. Like, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but, like, working in a creative field, it kind of does feel like a bit of a pity. Um, but I think you can't really help it. So, like, do you do you sort of rail against reality or do you accept the reality and you just uh, kind of produce the work? Uh because uh, I can tell you that the, one of the reasons for the specific burnout that I faced a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. like if you remember, this topic is something that we broached a couple of months ago and we've just now gotten around to recording it. <laughs> right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But the reason I was thinking about it at the time was that I was going through something like that mm-hmm. where I was getting tired of having to letter a book in a day. Right. Uh, because like the book needed to go to print, so I have to letter it in a day, but does that make me happy? Like I'm, I'm still getting the same amount of money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but do I approach it as these are the 20 pages that I need to do today? Or do I look at it as, okay, this is w- what is on my mind right now. How am I expressing it through my lettering? Yeah. Uh, like there, there are definitely books that I feel it's a pity. I didn't get more than a day to letter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't want to name them, but uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I think the work was fine, but it could have been maybe better. Uh, but the thing is, I'm probably not going to remember that in a few more months. Right. I'm not going to remember that this was less than perfect. Right. And also, I think as a writer or as an artist, it is good to have to let things go because um, creativity is always learning in public. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like every story I write is is a story that is teaching me stuff and if i don't let it go then the lesson is not complete right 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 so uh i i recently wrote a pro story which i mean it had to go to print so <laughs> i had to let it go yeah also if i if i had to if i had to fix it i would have had to start from scratch which i would not like i mean it, it so it was a good thing so it was a good thing that i had to let this go because I'm happy I got to do that rather mm-hmm. than it just being unfinished. Yep. It's just being an unfinished magnum opus. <laughs> it's better that it exists as an imperfect thing that even if people forget in a couple of months, I got to do it. I, I learned through it and it was an experience. So so, so I think it might you one might put it as um, process versus goal. Mm-hmm. So like, do, do you look at the eventual thing or do you look at the day-to-day work of it? Well, this is do you so do you think uh, so in comics because you I think obviously you have to accept the fact that it's a job and uh, most yeah. people uh, or people that are that are writing uh, professionally like this is their job so they need to there is that element of like I just need to write this thing because there is artistic artistic expression but there's also like someone has hired me to do a job and if I don't do it then I probably can't do this anymore um, yeah. but but do you think that there is an element where work for hire stuff is not that see because this always sits in the back of my mind that i would have imagined for a lot of people that potentially the work for higher stuff may not be um as interesting 
in their in their work as the stuff that they do. They're kind of like their independent work, or you know, like maybe the thing they put together to pitch to to Image or a different publisher. Um, uh, absolutely, I think uh, for 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 sure there are some writers who I follow from each and every creator-owned book to the next, but I entirely ignore their uh, company output because mm-hmm. I've read a couple and I don't necessarily feel that their heart is in it. Right. Uh, but that's still fine. I mean. Uh, because I, it's see uh, okay, I I don't want to name names out of school, but I can definitely <laughs> name a name that like he owns it. So like Warren Ellis, uh-huh. I don't like he definitely um, you know puts whatever he's thinking about at the moment into his company output. Yeah. But I think he's been fairly like clear about the fact that that is not necessarily as important to him. Right. And it's fine because Marvel still likes the work that he does. And, um, you know, the readers still like the work that he does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even if, let's say, it's not 100%, maybe it's like 80% effort. <laughs> well, it's still, like, if people like it, it's still fine. And right. and to a degree, I think the point of company-owned comics is a little different from the point of uh, creator-owned comics. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, company-owned comics are not necessarily about the individual stories. They are about... Uh, the IP it's they're about like maintaining the character in a manner that is of interest to the readers right yeah yeah, yeah. so so it's sort of more of a um it's more of a patronage situation that you're not necessarily creating the work that you want but uh you're you're creating the work that the audience wants right well I, right I, I, well, I was gonna say because I think the thing with Warren Ellis that just popped like came up into my mind so whenever I think of Warren Ellis's company stuff, the first thing I go to is is Moon Knight because that was like my probably my favorite. Oh, I yeah. like Next Wave as well, but maybe maybe Moon Knight was like my favorite Warren Ellis uh, like company Marvel thing. Um, my mine's probably Next Wave, yeah. Next Wave is very good, but Marvel uh, Moon Knight fits my what I'm about to say a bit clearer. <laughs> so, um, but what I was gonna say was like Moon Knight for me felt like the like the perfect big two. Um, comic book in the way that like I would consume it, which is that you know each issue was basically just like its own thing, um, right? And you could and you could you could just kind of consume issue four if you wanted to, or go back and read issue two or whatever. It was like they were they were designed to be disposable almost in a sense that you could just read that one thing and then that was it. Um, yeah, and it felt really and that felt like really really good. And a lot of older superhero stuff, you know, like to like sixties superhero kind of 60s, 70s superhero stuff was really similar, where it was kind of like one and done. Like I'm just going to tell you a story now and the value we perceived on it was was less um and but but it still told you a complete thing because they kind of expected that maybe you probably weren't going to stick around for the next one or whatever um yeah feels- also i think back then you had writers like uh, you know bob haney or robert kaniger who were basically like it was sort of a factory job for them right yeah where yeah. whatever's up whatever book is happening whatever's on their mind they just threw it in mm-hmm. and well it has led to some of the classics of the medium but uh, obviously, a lot of the output is completely bizarre and like, <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't really fit uh, yeah, the yeah. character or the readership or whatever. But again, like, yeah, like, I don't know if, like, I, see, I can't work like that. The reason this is interesting to me is that if if I'm forced to work like that, I feel myself bristling. It doesn't feel like fun. I don't enjoy it anymore. Right. I think I've written exactly two comics mm-hmm. that were not owned by me. Mm-hmm. And I think the process was painful each and every time. 
right <laughs> so right. so like i i sort of don't understand that mindset but i kind of admire it from afar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like uh, kiran gillan i think at some point of time said uh, that um the point of a creator owned series is that i care very deeply about something and i have to figure out a way of making other people care right while writing a company comic is that other people care deeply about a certain thing and i have to figure out how to make myself care <laughs> well there, there there is definitely an element though i think when you when you look at it like from work work for hire compared to you know like a company comic compared to you know a creator own series is also you're giving someone a lot when you realize that you have the option you're giving someone a lot of your of your brain you know you're giving someone a lot of your ideas and you're giving someone a lot of your creativity for yeah. something that is then going to be forgotten and like with your own creator own series at least it's if it's forgotten it's forgotten on your own terms whereas right. i suppose on a, on a company uh comic can just be forgotten and that's it you know you're just gonna get replaced with someone else who's just gonna do their own thing as well um and so there is kind of like i think if to revert it back to novels again there's just another storytelling medium most of the time with novels with a writer I, I would, I, I guess, probably more of the output in novels is original material than it is as part of a license for something else. Um, especially if you look at like the top, you know, probably like the top, like like best ten selling novels or whatever, are probably more likely going to be like original you know, thrillers or whatever. Whereas if you look at like the top ten selling comic books, apart from something like Saga, they're probably all going to be work for hire. I guess. Yeah, I. Yeah, because because um, I remember when I used to read uh, quite a few novels, um, tie working on tie-ins and you know spin-offs and stuff was mm-hmm. considered like uh, sort of second-rate writing work. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the 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 day my mind changed about that was when I started reading um, the Doctor Who novels that were published after the series had gone off the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when I started feeling that oh these these things are pretty nice. But when you come into comics, sort of everybody agrees that uh, the tie-in stuff is sort of the paramount stuff. Because right. like essentially superhero comics are tie-ins. Like yeah, they're right. tie-ins yeah, to yeah. a property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, because the original comic that was produced was produced like 70 years ago. So mm-hmm. everything produced after that is a tie-in product to that. But also, also on the flip side though, I think a big part of why people can work, like I'm thinking like Jeff, Jeff Lemire, Right, hmm. writes whatever like five or six Marvel books a month or whatever it is, and then like a couple of Valiant books. I think he writes like seven. You know, it's like it's like seven company books a month plus whatever else he works on. And wow. I, and, okay. a, and a big reason, a big point, reason why he can do that, I think, is because he isn't writing. Essentially, he isn't writing seven original works every single month. If he was, if he was writing seven oh, original okay. works, yeah, I, I think, I think your turnout, you know, your turnaround is quite different. But the fact that, like, right, yeah. you know, if you pick up a Spider-Man book, it's like, you know, if someone gets hired to write a Spider-Man book, um, the world is there, the characters are there, the villains are already there, um, the, the, you know, the background of the character, their personality, what they look like, everything. You kind of you're picking up something that's already been established, and you're just telling a story within that world. And so you don't have to do the kind of the world building stuff as much. You don't have to do the character building stuff as much. Um, obviously, you do it within your within your narrative, but but like that stuff is already established. And also, for the okay. most part, you don't need to spend time figuring out how to build that because if I pick up a copy of Spider Man, uh, for the most part, I'm, I, I kind of already have a sense of Peter Parker. So if I pick up Spider Man, I kind of already get what he's like. I don't need you to like spend the first six pages introducing this character to me anymore like i, I get it same with batman yeah and so yeah, there, yeah, there is yeah. an element of like presumably that i don't want to say that work is easier but in terms of building it presumably it's quicker to get going 
I suppose that's what right. The the history of the character has done some of the work for you, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I get that. I think that's that's that makes a lot of sense because I always used to wonder how people would could write six or seven company books a month. I mean, I still don't understand it, but <laughs> but that, but, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's still quick yeah, to get that, you going. But in in part, what I suppose the point with that is that part of that does that also then tie into this idea of like this kind of like transient material. Um, because it's yeah, I think not... exactly because I think uh, you cannot uh, produce that much while also thinking that this is going to be a perennial. I think I mean I mean I don't know what Jeff Lemire thinks, but <laughs> there has to be an element uh, that of your thought which is that okay, this is going into the massive tapestry that is this character mm-hmm. rather than standing on its own entirely. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, 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 I was going to bring in like the the image thing of a couple of books moving to like trade only um yeah because yeah. i think for me it's like it's also like you know if you if you think about some of these works um i don't want to say like the best works or the works that will stand the test of time have are the ones that have, have had the most like time spent on them but i do think that you see if you think about some of the bigger works in comics the ones that have kind of like that stand out to me a lot of that stuff ends up being graphic novels like original graphic novels where I, they weren't stuck to a monthly schedule because at that point there is an element of like we need to let this go and we need to let this go is not necessarily the the best creative uh mindset for creating something that you want to like like live forever um do, yeah and that, also thinking sense? yeah it does because uh, i i'm guessing thinking that i need to let this go every single month would get to be tiring it <laughs> it wouldn't like i i can understand somebody producing five great issues and then the sixth one is like you know what? I didn't have enough time. Right. I got to let this one go. Right. But if you ha- if you have to do that every single month, which I think a lot of uh, these people would feel, mm-hmm. uh, because ideally they would want something like a month and a half to two months on every issue, which they don't get. Yeah. So I can understand somebody getting genuinely frustrated with that and thinking, no, you know what? I got to stop that. I got to scale back. That brought it to mind. So uh, Trad Moore. So I I interviewed Trad Moore for the Strip Panel Naked channel uh yeah. when was it like i don't know 2017 or end of 2016 something like that um right. and we talked about ghost rider uh when he was working on that with uh, oh i remember that one yeah. that was a good episode and and so one thing he said in that i can't remember if it made it into the episode probably did was that he said that he can't he doesn't he can't draw a monthly book like he, he just physically can't yeah. do it so i mean i guess physically he can do it but not not to the quality that he is happy with to put his name on and so for him drawing right. drawing a 20 page book takes two months so he, he can't you can't do that. Like <laughs> you can't put him on a book, basically, um, to be a regular artist anymore. Um, so when he did the New World, and we covered this in panel by panel, like when he did the New World, he, they started drawing that. Like uh, I think it was like November in 2017, 2026, no, November twenty sixteen or something. It was like really. Yeah, I think so because I remember it was announced last year uh, as well. Yeah, and it was a lot. It was a long, long, long old time, and and they have the they basically had the whole thing, essentially the whole thing drawn just after the first issue came out. So like they knew on that oh, wow, schedule, okay. like we're gonna get this book done because I can't keep the schedule. But 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 right. by, by doing that, that you create cool. something that you that he himself you know was particularly happy with. Um, yeah, and. I think like if we I think the the transition to moving stuff to, to graphic novel is feels like very much I mean because you're involved in one so I don't know how much you can say or not say about something like Motor Crush um but I presume a big part of that was to not have to worry about a monthly deadline anymore it was let's like let's just put this work together to a standard that we're happy with and then release it I presume that was a big part of that 
I'm guess, guessing so. Like, I, I don't necessarily know exactly uh, where the decision for Motor Crush came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, I, ju- I was just told that, but I, I didn't really get to discuss that. But I I do have a feeling that it is about, um, tr- at least partly it is about trying to do the best possible version of the thing. Yeah. And uh, I think also the people working on Motor Crush are... Um, professional enough that i don't think they face that problem anymore that okay you know what if i give myself two years to do this it's gonna take all that time right or like you know you know that sort of procrastination problem that yeah, a lot yeah. of beginners tend to have given like very long deadlines <laughs> right, yeah. i yeah like the people working on motor crush are probably not going to face that because mm-hmm. they've been working in the industry for a long time yeah. so i'm guessing they can sort of sit back and feel that okay you know what fuck it let's bring <laughs> it out next year yeah. And, you know, so I I was talking to Denise about this, actually, that um, I think a lot of people like doing the monthly thing because without that, the work wouldn't actually happen. (laughs) Right, right, right. Right. Because uh, doing a, exactly, like doing a 120 page graphic novel in eight months is a very different proposition from doing 20 pages a month. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, and twenty pages a month is something that you can kind of get a handle on, mm-hmm. uh, even if you might you might not hit it every single time. Yeah. So, um, and also I think it's a like so we are veering away from the main topic at the moment, but I think <laughs> uh, this does tie into it that there are people who genuinely need that money. Like I, I need the money that is going to come out of those twenty pages um, every month. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for like eight months to get paid. Right. Right. And then um, I have seen a few people uh, put out the issues as they can get them. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of put aside a couple of weeks just to revise pages for the collection. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because they know that the collection is going to be the thing that lives for a little while longer <laughs> right, at least. Right. So, this, so that, even if we... No, I was going to say, that's, like, that's where I was going to, that's where I was going to get to because that's... I think the the main thing for me the is the fix it yeah the fix it for the trade thing well no that's the, the trade the trade being the thing because that's like where it sits for me is I think with yeah. comics it's almost it, again like it's almost like a thing where if you're if you're involved in comics if you're like a writer or an artist in comics is that everything works on like a weekly and then monthly schedule and also yeah. stuff with PR and press so like if your name isn't out there anymore, like if you just took like two years, like if a novelist took like two to three years to go write their novel, they're not really in the public eye for two to three years. Whereas with comics, yeah. it's like two to a month is a long time to not be talked about. Yeah, I, I two think years uh, is a Brian Lee, long time. Yeah, like Brian Lee O'Malley said something of the sort when he was coming out with Seconds mm-hmm. that he faced a little bit of an issue of how to promote that book right. in the market because the market, the market entirely was different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had to promote a book that was basically a graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, that he had, you know, he was putting out all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sh- sure. Like, see, it's it's kind of like uh, if I if I go to the book book market mm-hmm. and I try to sell one short story. Yeah. They're gonna tell me to fuck off. <laughs> right. So it's I think it's a bit like that. Like I can maybe call it a chap book or something, but it's still not gonna like it's not gonna be a book. Yeah. So a book is something that they know how to sell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in comics, I think the singles are the thing that they know how to sell because yep. they have the market. Yeah. And the, the the volumes are the things that they're trying to figure out. Um, 
so maybe something like something like uh, someone like Brian Leo Malik could have maybe gone directly to the book market, but like I mean, I'm sure he's done his uh, research and his work, so I'm not gonna second guess him. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's the thing that if if you're going for the book market, you're aiming for longevity because you know that it might take two to three years for this thing to start selling mm-hmm. properly. Yeah, while. In comics, you're trying to make the most amount of sales on that one day when the book comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do wonder if how much of that is going to change. So, we've got like a an industry where the the kind of like the book market section of graphic novels or comics or whatever you, you call them um, is growing, and it's like one yeah. of the main. It's like one of the only sections of the book market that is actually expanding is is comics, um, and that's <laughs> and that's really exciting because it means more people are reading comics. But what the, the problem with that is it means you know when the monthly the direct market is basically kind of around the same it's not it's not really growing especially and it's definitely not growing at the same rate that the um like the direct market uh, the book market sorry is growing and so yeah. the the future potentially for comics is as the people that are already buying these direct monthly comics get older and older and older and die are the younger people necessarily going to go and fill that gap or are they going to go and fill that gap in the book market? And so yeah. to me, it feels like a lot of the time you're getting the singles so that you can afford to print the, the graphic novels. Um, right. And the graphic novels are really where that's going to live on and, and you're going to get the royalty payments for, for, for years and years and years because that's where the market is growing and living. Um, but I, So I, it, it's weird. I think that, me- that method that you were saying, like that kind of like get the singles out and then just fix it for the book because the book is the thing we're going to sell uh, forever in the future is an interesting way of looking at it where it's it's transient and then it's lo- like longevity. It's kind of like, let's get this stuff out knowing that if there's errors, we can fix them anyway. Uh, like, yeah. It doesn't matter. We just need to get that money to then turn that into like a book that we can sell at a later date. It's a really, it's, it, I think I keep, I keep kind of like bringing it back to novels, but it's, to me, it's like it's such a weird difference in the market where you've got something which is just as interesting, like comics are just as interesting as whatever the number one best-selling novel is at the moment. Um, yeah. But the way that the market functions and works means that like that thing will could just disappear in like a couple of weeks, which is a sh- such a horrible shame. Yeah, I, and and see, I think um, they, they, there was a period of time when something fairly low-selling could get up to like forty to fifty issues. And sort of, you know, start making its money afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I believe something like Transmetropolitan wasn't really necessarily selling that great when it started coming out because I think it kind of, I think it was selling well enough that they kind of kept it through like three different imprints. Right. But right. but the books were where it kind of started making its money. And these days I find that because the focus is on the, you know, the transient part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if like there are definitely some books that should have been five volumes that ended after two. Right. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and well, like that. That that's that's the thing that I feel is the pity that uh, a pot- uh, a potential book kind of did not happen because uh, of like a the more the vagaries of the market mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Like whether or not that book would have longevity. Like, see, some one of my favorite comics ever is uh, Peter David's Captain Marvel run. Right. And I don't think the collections are there. Like, I don't think it necessarily, like it lasted for 60, 70 issues. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if like we you would still get those collections. But it's something that at least got to got to make its mark. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it got to have its entire run and then like, 
end the way peter david wanted it to mm-hmm. and then whether people find it or not is a separate thing but uh, i'm also wondering whether people still get to do that even oh yeah i like i it's it's there's there's always talk on twitter of uh i know twitter the most useful valuable source of information <laughs> uh, but there's always talk on twitter of like a book that gets cancelled after like two issues because the sales weren't there or whatever you know the, the drop yeah. off from issue 1 to 2 was, was was too much um but then you also, yeah. but then you've also got books that um kind of it's yeah it's difficult because it, i suppose it depends who's printing them because obviously everyone's got a different threshold um but it's a shame yeah. that like a book that could be interesting or is still interesting doesn't get the chance to say it because i because I, I, I was worried about isola for example um because the first issue of that okay. i thought you know that it's a very different first issue than what you would normally expect um and so i was like oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for, yeah. For that, I, re- i remember i think carl was also worried about that like yeah. he actually asked me once like okay so you read the book what did you think <laughs> And that's I like I thought it was fantastic but it's so not yeah. what you expect a first issue to be in like a modern comics market that I was worried that like is that But but is that the case because I I I can point out to you a lot of first issues that like I think people are putting out some very strange first issues these days. Uh, I don't know I still you... think Isla is a very different pace like pace <laughs> okay. pace wise I think it's a very very different first issue than what you normally find Okay I, I get what you mean yep, yeah yeah real So uh, that, that, but yeah. but to me it was interesting it was like super I loved that first issue um and I was worried that like is this going to get to the point where it even gets to tell its story because this is so different than what people expect that people are going to say yes and go along for the ride or are they going to go like I don't this isn't what I'm I'm used to seeing and it, right. I, I I looked at a book like that and just thought this like would this just not be better off But I, I think about this about like basically every comic. I think like well, this is not better <laughs> off in just like a big volume. Like sell me this volume, um, and what you tend to find, what you get more and more. Like I remember speaking to my local comic shop about this was that they, what they were finding was people buy like the first issue of a new image book and then they don't buy, yeah. and then they stop buying it, and then what, and then they directly buy the trade. Yeah, but then, but then they come in like when issue three is out and they ask for like you know they've just seen it on the shelf and they ask for the trade. Can you order me the trade from the when the trade of that thing comes out? And it's like yeah. people. I think people typically will. want to gravitate i think for some reason it's more non-superhero stuff but people will want to gravitate towards i want to i want to read this whole story and so does the market start to shift in in 10 5 10 years to where it's it's book publishers or specifically book market stuff that's picking up the image books and putting those out in like you know in like a chapter one of this thing or like volume one of book one of this thing because i think like that's where it's that's where it feels like it's heading and to me weirdly like i feel like if it does that you might start to get work that feels like it's designed more for longevity more than than kind of like the transient monthly experience that's interesting yeah i i i i would agree with you on that Does that make you know what I mean like I think it's it, I think it's it very much a market because... consideration. I know it's a really like a really unsexy way to talk about it. <laughs> it feels like it's no, no, I, I think yeah because uh, when you're putting out a 140 page book rather than a 24 page book mm-hmm. it is much, much more difficult to think of it as something that's going to be forgotten. Right. Like when at least as a writer or or an artist you're going to try and make it like as kick ass as you can mm-hmm. and like yeah like uh so you wouldn't wouldn't necessarily think of think about it as okay i draw this page today or like you know this is my you know uh, like let's say let's say i have i have a speed of like two days per page right and like okay this is the page i do in these two days and if it takes longer than that i just stop working on it <laughs> right, or right. you know whatever that that wouldn't happen like it's much um harder to 
do that if you're putting out like a 150 page thing yeah, yeah, altogether. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. On the other, on the flip side though, just again to make it even less sexy, uh, is is like money money wise, comics. You know, compared to like what a novelist might make on advance, for example, on like a semi successful book, um, comics don't really pay as much. And so the idea of like that kind of relates back to that conversation again before of kind of like using the monthlies to kind of like fund everything else. Um, yeah. Is that like it's it's much probably much easier as a, as a novelist if you get your one you get you get your book that does well and then you get your advance for your second book and that that is going to probably keep you going for like a year or so. Um, whereas in comics, it's a lot harder for someone. It's a lot harder to find an advance that's anywhere close to like a novel advance. Um, but I guess again, as I don't know about that. Like, uh, uh, see, I live in India and. In India, you generally tend to get paid more for comics than you do for novels. Okay, really? Yeah, like, yeah, pretty sure about that. I Because I know people who have made advances of, uh, uh, okay, what's 15,000 rupees in dollars? How much is that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. 300 dollars? <laughs> oh, right, okay. 50 dollars? That's a book advance. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know people who have gotten that for prose books. So That's crazy. It's de- Well, that's definitely different, like... In, in like a in a US market, but again, it's the <laughs> yeah. I mean the audience size and the audience share is is so astronomically different is obviously a massive right, case yeah. for it. Absolutely, but I do think as as the, as the market grows and grows and grows, like this is the thing, it's so hard to 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 talk about like the direct market because the death of the direct market has been like a topic for like twenty years and it's still and it's, <laughs> it's still here, it's still it's still doing okay. And it's like does yeah. doesn't no, see, doesn't increase um a, you know a much bigger increase in the in market share in the book market for comic books does that mean a bigger direct like i don't know i don't think anyone really knows it's like it's just one of those things we'll just have to see like have to see what happens but more money yeah. more money into it i think only means you know more time for people to spend on their on their projects therefore in my opinion or my head it's like that's potentially a much bigger opportunity for, for better quality not the quality bad but, obviously that's not what i'm saying but you know what I mean. yeah no but but i do feel that uh, okay so this is not something that i feel the comic industry necessarily has yeah. uh, but it has the potential to have, which is that looking at it as a gutter medium, like looking at it as a disposable medium, mm-hmm. you could do some profoundly strange things in comics. Right. If right. you're not aiming for your book to last longer than a month. <laughs> right. You know, like, see, stuff like, uh, okay, stuff like Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That clearly came from a mind that was thinking that okay i have these 22 pages today how can i think on the page yeah well that's the like alan moore right with swamp thing and, and that's part of like the thing he's he saw yeah. that interview as well he was like he used this first issue just to wrap everything up and then because yeah. it was failing he was like well i can just kind of do whatever i want <laughs> exactly so i think that comics could be doing that i don't know how much it does that these days mm-hmm. um I wish it did more of it. I wish more. Uh, I w- I wish more comics were trying to be weird failures rather than straightforward successes. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But but that I think that is something you would very definitely lose if you switch to entirely an industry that looks at longevity. That is a lovely way to think about it. Is that because it is so transient, it means you can kind of do whatever you want. And it's like, yeah, like I can do some profoundly stupid shit and move on. I do think I do think that comes back to like the monthly using the monthly as like a single individual thing though, because it's a lot harder to do something insane and, and you know and like really weird 
when you're yeah, when sort you, of serialized. Yeah, when you're when you're yeah. telling like a six part story, it's a lot easier to do that when it's like it, when it's you know like like a sitcom when it kind of is gonna, it's going to get refreshed a little bit anyway, like next issue. It's a lot easier to just be like this is going to be a really weird. Let's just try something crazy with this one. I think like yeah, Immortal Hulk, like the current Immortal Hulk series, which we talked about last time, like that yep, that yep. that kind of does that. It's like each issue is a little bit of a of, a, of its own thing. Like one's like yeah. a horror, one's a horror book, one's like a like a, a Rashomon spin. You know, it it, it take it. It feels like that creative team is kind of like, it's just what else can we do? Like, what can we do this time? What can we do that time? And I feel like that definitely gets lost a little bit, um, especially yeah, yeah, because especially in the in the image stuff though. It's hard. I think it's harder to do that in the image, right? Image the definitely. creator own model than it is to do it in like the company model. Yeah, I, I think Ice Cream Man is trying to do something like yeah, that. Where uh, yeah, it's like every month is something else, and if you don't like this, you might like the next one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I think. See, actually, personally, I believe that comics work very well like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, okay, I'm just gonna put out whatever the whatever the fuck I feel like, and <laughs> if you don't like this, then wait for next month. Something else will be along. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, which same. I love that. Yeah. That's the like, yeah, the, the I, Moon Knight model. Warren Ellison. Right, but but there's very few books that kind of do that mm-hmm. at the moment. Like everything is sort of. I I think in trying to get that specific kind of sophistication into comics we've kind of lost one of the biggest charms of comics <laughs> which is that you can think on the page like you can learn in public it feels it, it feels like it feels almost like a sort of editorial thing where the idea is if you buy you know part one then you know chances are you might want to buy part two and then you then you it, yeah. you're on the hook for part two you're probably going to get part three and see how the rest of the story goes whereas if it's a one and done it's like maybe you only buy this one and you're satisfied with that, and then you leave. But I think, yeah. But also, also, I think I, um, I, don't, I, I don't agree with that, though. Is what I was about to say. Right. Like, I, I like, I don't, I don't think that's true because I think if you give someone a satisfying story, one month they're going to come back for another satisfying story the next month. Yeah, yeah, but but you do lose something in that. Like, you you kind of do lose uh, long term characterization um, in some ways. Like, see, Moon Knight is amazing, but. You don't really like develop the characters through those six stories, right? But I think there are ways. There are definitely ways to do it because I think immortal. So something like Frank Miller's Daredevil or something. Well, Immortal Hulk does it, I think, quite well. Immortal Hulk has a thing that is very satisfying issue to issue, uh, but then it's just kind of like you know, it's almost like the last page kind of sets you up for the next thing. But if it didn't have that last page, you're still happy. (laughs) You've still got like a a happy medium. I think, like, if you think of. This is this is the reason why I wanted to talk about Dennis Camp's Maxwell's Demons uh, with Victoria Stone yeah. uh, in panel by panel because which I lettered and I did not think of that one somehow. <laughs> yeah, you worked on that, of course. So that that yeah. and that's one where that is um, each issue is like a, it is its own story. You can kind of read any issue of that and, and feel happy. But each one builds on on on, the, on each one. You know, it uses the last issue to, to say something further. So if you read yeah. all six issues of it. Um, you're going to get a much more fulfilling story, but if you only pick up, say, issue four, you're still going to have a story. Yeah, that, yeah like, definitely. That, I love, I love that because I hadn't. I think that's a really, really good use of that. Like it, it does it in in a very, very clever way because it's not, it's not linear, which is a big part of it, which is why you know, particularly why it's super interesting. Um, yeah. Whereas Immortal Hulk is still very linear, even though it's telling individual, you know, an individual story each time. But that, right, right. I think like yeah. that's that's when you can make transient work. 
more more interesting because if you're gonna this this is transient like next month it's gonna be gone it's something else then you can create you know an entirely new world an entirely new story and like to come back to moonlight like that's what moonlight did if if it if it was low on characterization uh obviously it was high on world and story which was really definitely yeah for sure yeah also i think um next we've tried to do something somewhat similar since we were talking about it earlier which was uh the 44 page uh album format almost where every two issues is a story Mm -hmm. and you can pick up you can basically pick up issue four and still like get everything that's happened before but like essentially if you want the complete story you just have to pick up three and four yeah uh, or five and six or whatever and at the end it sort of all builds up to something but since it's next wave it is like the stupidest thing possible (laughs) And it's brilliant. It's basically devil dinosaur pining after uh, Moon Boy. But the, but the cool thing about Next Wave was like whatever issue you picked up, it was either an opening or a closing. So if you picked <laughs> exactly. if you picked up issue three, it was like oh fuck, I need to get the next one. Whereas and if you picked up issue yeah. four, then it's like this was so satisfying. I want to read issue five. So everything yeah. everything was either set up or punchline, and it was like. The book was. Really, I like that. Really I think I'm going to steal that format at some point. No, it's really, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, I think someone wrote. Uh, I think David Harper, who does uh, sketched off panel, uh, wrote about it yeah. panel by panel about the, about uh, his love of the ending of that. Um, oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, which issue was that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. That was one of them. You should buy the. Just, just send just send me a link to the whole folder. I think I've <laughs> like missed out a couple. It's in the year. It's in the year one bundle for anyone listening. Uh, fifteen fifteen dollars <laughs> gets you twelve issues. Um, but yeah, so uh, he did. A, he talked about that, and it, he talks about. You know, it's, it's an article about your favorite endings, and he just talked about how that was constantly a book in endings. Like it was just constantly yeah. Ending. I like that. That that's really cool. That's really yeah. clever. It's a re- and it, it's a great format, and it's same. You know, if you think of like, I mean, it's just Warren Ellis we're going to talk about. But if you think of like Fell, <laughs> so Fell never never got finished, but like each issue of Fell was like a whole story in I think like sixty. Yeah, years. you know, it's quite a short book. Um, and each issue right, was, it was that uh, the slimline format that yeah. they were trying that that went into then Casanova and one more book. Right. I can't I can't remember what the other one was. I even re- yeah. I didn't think about Casanova. Yeah, I forgot about that. Casanova was originally a slimline book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that but that was a great format. Like Warren Ellis is clearly like a, a master of that single issue thing. Um, yeah. But it just means it means you use the you use the, the the sort of the transient nature of the medium to its advantage, and you can do whatever you want. And that yeah. I wish I do wish everything was not everything. But I do wish I do wish a lot more like superhero books were like that. Um, I wish they weren't more like more or like three or four part things. I wish there was a lot more kind of um, quicker single story stuff. I think like if you like Tom King's Batman had quite a few just occasional like two part stories, and they were quite right. like they were quite nice. Um, yeah. But they, but they were still two part stories within a much much bigger narrative. So they weren't. I they think it's the same with. Yeah, I think I think the same with Mark Wade's Daredevil, where uh, there were a lot of shorter stories, but they all kind of continued the longer story. Yeah, you still probably needed Dance to Lord... read the earlier stuff. Yeah, Dance Lord used to do that really well, at least in She Hulk, if I remember correctly, where there was a, it was very soap operatic, where like every issue gave you some stuff, and then there was uh, one story going on that was going going to go for a couple of issues, and then right. there was the much longer story that was kind of continuing throughout the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a way of making the individual things satisfying and it kind of, see, okay, um, l- let's kind of go back to the original topic and look, come at it from a different angle. Okay. What makes a book um, worthy of longevity for you? Oh. Uh, As a reader. Like, that's not, hard. Not that's hard. I mean, it just has to be interesting. 
I don't know how to define that. It just it's just got to, it's just got to have. Yeah, that's a really hard question. It's got to be interesting. I think it doesn't it doesn't have to be uh a, you know like a long book. It doesn't have to be like a six issue arc that tells one story over six issues. It doesn't have to be um it doesn't have to be a defined thing. It just it just has to be it just has to be interesting to me. I think I don't yeah. know. I don't have to, I don't know. It just has to be interesting. I think like one of my favorite comics uh ever is Day Tripper. Which yeah. takes that format of each issue we're going to tell you a single, like a single story, like a, like a moment in this fella's life. Um, but also, when you read it all together, it's a collection of what is it, ten issues or twelve issues or whatever. It's, ten, it, yeah, it tells you like this whole complete story. So that's the thing that that is both transient and is also weirdly about the nature of transience. Uh, <laughs> but that's a, that's that, you know that's something that was transient and has also an element, a big element of longevity. Like so, that's probably a good medium. You know, somewhere that's somewhere that's sort of in between, but it, I don't know. It just has to be interesting to me. I like that. that I've read that Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey, Jordi Belair, Moon Knight, a whole bunch of times. Like sometimes I've read it from start to finish. Sometimes I've just read like an individual issue of it or whatever. Um, yeah. That's one thing that I or I'm like I pick that up fairly frequently because I think that's fantastic. Um, whereas also like I love stuff like a serious polyp, you know, which is what what is that like 200 pages or whatever. I love blankets which is like 600 pages. Um yeah. so I don't I, I don't know, it's that's a hard thing to define. But I think it just has to be yeah, it just has to be interesting. It just has to be interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how better, how better to yeah, answer that. I think what Yeah, you're, what, you're not you're not helping anyone. Anyway. No, 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 so bad. But what 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 okay, so what I what I'd posit then is yeah. For monthly comics which in in the direct market as a thing that comes out every month, what do you think needs to be at the forefront of of the mind of the creators? Do you think it needs to be transient, like the transient nature of that thing as a disposable singular issue, knowing that people are going to be kind of picking up this month and then, you know, it's going to go into a box somewhere, likely? Or do you think they need to be thinking more specifically about the future uh, shelf life of that as it gets collected? What do you think, what, what to you as a reader is more important? As a reader, I'm actually sort of a trade buyer. Okay. But that's partly because I live in India and like, <laughs> we don't really get singles here. And I'm I, like, I, I, yes, I sometimes buy singles digitally, but it's not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I prefer the books. Mm-hmm. I, I would be happy if um, like every important series kind of came out like that. Right. But I also... I also understand the thing about serialization. Like there is a certain, um, there is a certain attraction to kind of writing it like that, to kind of creating it like that, mm-hmm. to kind of think on the page, to kind of change your mind right. um, midway through a story, uh, which I think would be lost if uh, we entirely shifted to that. But see, also that that sort of implies that trades are the only way to go about longevity, which is not necessarily the case. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, so like something like uh, Love and Rockets New Stories, um, those were all like individual magazines mm-hmm. and they kind of came out serially, but like they were the product, like they were the thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say that maybe maybe if people have a specific defined story, uh, then maybe they should try and produce a lot of it and produce it as well as possible before they start releasing it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if you have something um, that is a sort of storytelling engine rather than a story itself. Right. So something like uh, Steve Gerber's Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. Like you read that and that's clearly 
whatever was on Steve Jobs' mind that month. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And it is brilliant because of that. Mm-hmm. It, it, he. I'm pretty sure he wrote it as a transient thing, mm-hmm. but the very act of writing it like that has is what makes it very interesting. Yeah, it makes it an interesting artifact. Yeah. So. I think we need more more of that. Like Doom Patrol, like take Morrison's Doom Patrol. That's not my necessarily my favorite Morrison story, mm-hmm. but uh, that was definitely something that he was like, okay, I'm gonna think on the page. I'm gonna figure out what I'm like. Okay, I'm into Dadaism this month, right? So I'm gonna punch that in, and like just come up come up with the freakiest shit ever possible, like possible, <laughs> and then figure out how to make it interesting rather than anything else. Yeah, uh, like sim- similarly with Animal Man, like you can you can see the first four issues are essentially like a post Alan Moore um, kind of revisionist dark mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And then he basically thinks, oh, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doing that anymore. And then does the coyote gospel. And like, I'm pretty sure that was not something intended to like last 35 years, but it did. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, okay. Yeah, I, th- I think we, there needs to be a balance. Like, I think, I think okay, uh, if I had to, had to kind of make a statement, I think more thing needs to be, need to be extremes and people should try not to fall in the middle too much. <laughs> right so i mean yeah, like, people, people should be yeah ambitious i think that's where that's what i was going to kind of say is my summation of this topic is i think probably just have an idea of which one you're doing um, yeah because if you're writing for a longer work then just i suppose accept and understand that when you're coming to do single issues and if you are writing for the transient stuff then i guess at least accept that and just go crazy on each one you know just do just just lean into those two lean into whichever version of that of that option you you take not that yeah we're talking very much like it's clear cut like it's one or the other which it's not not always like that but i think it would be okay i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's always like that okay 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 (laughs) or it should always no no no, i'm joking but but i think yeah i think a lot of books would exactly like yeah, I would rather like see there are there are certain books where I read these which I read these days where um let's say there's a 22 page story and somebody it's it's a company book mm-hmm. and the way they've sort of adjusted like whoever the writer is let's say they're writing six books a month or whatever mm-hmm. the way they've adjusted to the format is by putting fewer panels on every page and thereby sort of like extending the story. (laughs) So if you read it as a trade paperback, it reads decently well, but it's still a lot thinner than it should be. Those people, I would say, you know, it would be useful for them to think in this way, where go the absolute other way and just write a 22-page story every month Mm -hmm. that might or might not tie into the next one. I would guarantee that they would have a little more fun writing it and... (laughs) I think we'd get something more out of it mm-hmm. because that 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 stuff that falls in the middle can get annoying for somebody who's spending like four dollars a month, right? Which I don't like. I, I the only book I buy like digitally is like the Wild Storm, which is very definitely <laughs> a issue by issue thing. Yeah, Everything yeah. else I buy on a whim. Yeah. Um, but like as a subscriber, one of the reasons I I love that book is that I know that those 24 pages are going to be packed full of story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, he's going to do the best. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a perennial thing or not. I don't know if like, it's going to be like planetary or something, Right. but at least at the moment, it's as I read it, it yeah. never feels to satisfy. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think, I think that's it. I think that's, that's, that's a good, a good way to sum this up is, is just pick a lane, but also remember that <laughs> primarily your, I suppose primarily your audience is, is at least initially transient. So create something that still works like that regardless. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good way of ending that. Like again, once again, we solve comics. <laughs> we're good at it, aren't we? Yeah, we pretty quite, much. Yeah, we, can't, we are quite good at this. 
Um, yeah. Well, that's a nice way to wrap it up. I don't have to do a, a segue into an ending because we can just say it's ended. Yeah, like, it's done. <laughs> this is the ending. We, we've solved we've solved all comics problems this week. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for checking out this week's Letters and Lines with Aditra and me. You can find the podcast at all the usual places that you can find podcasts like iTunes and other podcast homes. Uh, you can keep up to date with me on Twitter at Aditya B or uh, at my website adityab.net or on Instagram at Aditya Bidikar. And I'm on Twitter at Hassan OE. Plus, you can check out Strip Panel Naked on YouTube and the magazine I edit at panelxpanel.com. Thanks for listening.